Hey guys, welcome to the Podpreneur Podcast. This is Tyler Dietring, and I'm here with Nick Burns. How are you doing today, brother? I am doing good. Thank you for having me on here. I'm excited about what we got going today. Yes, sir. I got a story for you. You ready for that? Let's hear it. Okay. So this is about 2011. My friend calls me. I go out to Medford. Tells me, bring your fishing pole. I say, I don't got a fishing pole. So he's got his own. So I go out there. I meet him. We're walking around the shore of this pond fishing, talking about life stuff. He's a good old friend. Hadn't seen him in a while, but we're, we're having some good conversation. I've been dating this girl for about a year. And he says, what's your, what's your girlfriend going to do next year? I said, she's going to go off. You know, I think she's going to go to med school or maybe PA school, something, something like that. She's going to, she's going to go off to extend her degree. He said, what's your plans with her? What are you going to do? Are you going to marry her? Yeah, I'm going to marry her. I said, okay, when are you going to do that? I was like, uh, I, I, I don't know. He said, Tyler, what in the bleep are you doing? I was like, I actually don't know. And so from there I collected as many bones as I had and, uh, went and bought, bought a ring and I proposed to my wife all because of that conversation. Not all because of that conversation. <laughs> don't, don't believe that. But, um, but yeah, he was a, uh, yeah. So that person, his name was Roscoe Miori, and he is here with us today. Roscoe, thank you so much for being here. How are you doing today? I'm awesome. Best I've ever been. That's beautiful. I love it. Um, man, we're going to jump right into this. Um, you know, you have been, you've been a leader of a lot of different things for a long time. You've um, been a business owner. You've been a leader within a business. You've been um, kind of higher up in businesses, but we would just love to kind of hear your journey from the beginning and kind of, you know, the, the point of this podcast is we want to hear the early on stages. What were some of the, the losses, the, the failures, the, the big wins, the big successes. But first, I just want to hear kind of the part, the first part of your journey and how you got to where, where you were in the beginning portion. Well, I graduated from Oklahoma state in 91, 1991 and needed a job. Um, got a job as customer service rep as a printing company. Um, it was hard, bad economy back then, really hard to get jobs. Um, I remember I was making $21,000 a year and they, two months in, they cut our pay down to 18000 So I had a wife and a six-month-old making 18000 a year. Mm. And the uh, government thought I was so poor with one child, they gave me a $2,500 refund on my taxes nice. and gave me a check. So nice. um, it was interesting times. Um, but uh, I learned a lot doing customer service for printing. But a company came along and did direct mail. They were starting a magazine at Arkansas called Hogs Illustrated. And I gave them pointers on how to make their direct mail more successful. Um, I was super persistent when the guy said he was hiring a marketing director. So I was hired pretty much at age 21 as the uh, marketing director for college sports communications. And their goal plan was to corner the college sports publishing market. Um, they had bought Sooners Illustrated and Huskers Illustrated. And I helped them. I was the marketing director for Sooners Illustrated and Huskers Illustrated at the age of 21, I helped launch the magazines that 
Arkansas Hogs Illustrated and Texas A&M Ags Illustrated at age 21. And then I was promoted to sales director at the age of 23, which was um, interesting to say the least. We had a sales meeting, but we didn't have a sales director. And I asked our publisher who was going to be the sales director. And he said, you are. (laughs) So I'm managing a bunch of 50 and 60 year old salespeople who had a ton of experience. And that was, uh, that was intimidating. It's intimidating to be a 23 year old sales director with a group of 10 people selling, you know, we'd bought voice of the Hawkeyes at Iowa and we'd bought these other magazines and, um, then to become their boss, um, was, um, you know, nobody, nobody 50 wants a 23 year old boss. Right. But that's, uh, that was kind of what I did. And and we grew the publications marketing wise through direct mail and direct mail marketing. And, um, my understanding of how to market, um, ad sales and create revenue, we doubled revenue and increased revenue every year. And then, um, at the age of 24, the guy who had hired me had a falling out with the company and I started my own publishing business and started a magazine at Oklahoma State. So um, my after I started a magazine at Oklahoma State, I met with Eddie Sutton, who was a just a hero for me because I like coaching basketball. And Eddie Sutton's first words to me were, how old are you? <laughs> Awesome. So I, I actually considered getting glasses so that I didn't look yeah. 24, but I was, I had started my own publishing business at the age of 24. Um, eventually owned nine big 12 magazines mm. um, and grew that business and uh, sold it 10 years later. Mm. So, so, so back at that time there was other magazines. So you had started a compete, a competing magazine. Is that right? Well, Every school, a lot of the, they were, the big schools had magazines, okay. Alabama, Iowa, A&M, Oklahoma State didn't have a magazine. Um, Texas Tech didn't have a magazine. Okay. Believe it or not, I, Texas didn't have a magazine. We launched Horns Illustrated. Mm-hmm. Um, so I either bought little newsletters or I bought struggling um, publications mm-hmm. and most most journalists are great at journalism, but they're terrible at marketing. For sure. So they'd put out great publications with no ad revenue and no subscriptions. Yeah. So when, uh, when you were buying these other magazines, what were you using of their existing infrastructure? Was it a lot of just client lists or, or were you utilizing their staff? What, whatever they were. Well, doing? most of them were small mop and pop shops. Um, you know, they'd have a husband and a wife and they'd run circulation out of their house. And he was a journalism major and, you know, they'd have a thousand subscribers. They'd never done direct mail. They'd never done telemarketing. They'd never really done ad sales or packaged sponsorships. So it was fairly easy to come in and, you know, this is their baby, but there's no revenue. Mm-hmm. So I'd come in and buy them and tell them, Hey, you're going to continue to write and do what you do. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to show you yeah. how we're going to create revenue. Yeah. So early on, from what I hear you saying is you were an expert in more of the driving the sales and the ad revenue rather than the actual publishing. Is that Yeah. Correct? You know, it's interesting. People ask me, I'm like, I don't have a journalism degree. I've never written anything. Yeah. Um, I love the publishing business. Yeah. I'm currently in the publishing business, but I really understand the marketing. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, this isn't a field where there were a lot of marketing experts, Yeah. you know, direct mail is not, 
ingenious. Yeah. These guys are just journalism majors and don't know what direct mail is. They don't know how to go out and get revenue. They don't yeah. know how to create this, yeah. how to build their subscription base. Yeah. So my expertise that I learned through working in a printing company and a direct mail shop, and then my ability to go create relationships and sell advertising and create revenue there would turn something that was a struggling, you know, concept or enterprise into yeah. something that made money. The publishing business is not a high margin business. There's all kinds <laughs> of people who go, Oh, I love this thought. And they go out of business. Yeah. It's, it's tough. You got to know. Um, I mean, I, I hate to say that I'm an expert at anything, but I'm an expert at soaking the most re- squeezing the most revenue possible out of a publication, which again is a tight margin business yeah, for sure. So what do you think, um, what do you think were some traits early on you had that really helped you succeed to where, where you got today? Well, I'm very persistent. Um, I'm willing to go after um, companies and advertising. You know, if you can generate advertising revenue and you're just a subscription based thing and you can bring in a hundred grand in advertising revenue, you've totally changed your business model. So, um, you know, my ability to sell, um, you know, Selling's just a numbers game, just being persistent, just constantly, you know, um, I'm still that way. I'm amazed at some of the accounts that I've targeted that like I'm trying to sell the biggest McDonald's in Southwest Oklahoma. I've been on them for three years. I finally got an appointment last Friday, mm, awesome. but I just don't give up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. I constantly am trying to work that, build that relationship, figure mm. out that angle to get me in the door. So yeah, on that, on that persistence with a specific client, um, how are you, how are you finding ways to touch that client? Cause that's really the key is so they don't forget about you. Right. You know, um, it's tough. There's a lot of no's, no's don't scare me. Um, you know, I had a sales guy, the best one I ever had said, I don't ex- get excited until the fifth. No, <laughs> uh, um, you know, I'm persistent with clients I don't get appointments with, mm. but I have a prospect list and I go through it and I'm willing to call it, you know, sales is a lot of telemarketing, you know, it's a lot of, it's hard work. It's, it's getting on the phone going, I'm going to call through this list and eight of these people are never going to see me. Yeah. You know? Um, but you know, a lot of it is about timing, catching the person on For the sure. right day. Um, kind of a thought on, cause I, I absolutely agree with that. How do you think you get to a point, let's say you're starting a brand new business and you don't know anybody, right? You've got no, you've got no client list to go down and call. Sure. Um, what, what's that process for you in developing that list to start targeting? You know, what's funny is when I went into these towns, I didn't know a single soul. I didn't know anybody in Lubbock, Texas when I flew into Lubbock, Texas, but you've got to make a prospect list for your business of people who might want your service. I mean, this is not a this is not a revolutionary process. You make a prospect list. You think of everybody who could possibly use your service and then you start getting on the phone and hope you catch them, you know, and then on the phone, you're selling um, the appointment with you. You're not trying to make the sale on the phone. You're trying to sell, spend five minutes with me. Um, These people at McDonald's that I saw last Friday have tried repeatedly not to see me in person. Until I finally just said, hey, you know, I dropped that I was going to be an Ada seeing the superintendent of the school, which yeah. made it sound like I'm yeah. a big wheel. Yeah. And then I said, you know, 10 minutes and, you know, us face to face and it'll all make so much more sense. And then she finally relented. But, um, you know, that, that's a success story. But there's a hundred other phone calls that don't get returned yeah. or emails that don't get returned yeah. or, 
So, but you know, you've got to be persistent. You got, and, mm. and a lot of sales is I've called on people who have not bought. Um, one of the best books you can read is how to swim with the sharks without getting eaten alive by mm. Harvey McKay. I'll check that out. And it just talks about how to sell. If you catch the people on the right day. Yeah. Um, I had a sales guy go to broken bow last week, calling a client I've called on for four years. Who's told me no. Caught him on the right day and guy bought a big old package and I didn't do anything wrong. The other four times yeah. he hot, he caught him on a day when yeah. he had some money in his marketing budget yep. and was look, looking for a different opportunity. Yeah. He was having a good day. You may have been calling him. He was having a bad day. Well, he wanted nothing to do with that. I, I think the timing and, and I called him, I said, man, I've called on you for four years. And he, we laughed about it. And he said, you know what? I just got out of an advertising opportunity. I wasn't happy with, and I've always thought about you guys. And so when he came to see me and he just said, I said, well, I just wanted to follow up and tell you, I just appreciate you doing business with our company. And so I had a relationship with the guy just wouldn't buy from me. Yeah. So you've got, you don't know in sales, which calls going to bear fruit. So you better make a lot of calls. Yeah. And the ones that are going to bear fruit are going to bear fruit. And if they don't that day, they're going to be, you know, you don't know what day the guy's sitting next to their phone looking yeah. for your opportunity. Yeah. But it really is a numbers game because you're going to get a lot of no's, but if you have enough yeah. questions spread out and enough prospects, you're yeah. going to get just yeah. by the numbers, you're going to get a, it, it's like athletes talk about the process being successful. Yeah. You know, it's a process. How many yeah. calls am I going to make to how, get how many appointments sure. to get in and build relationships? And then, you know, when I, I consider all my clients, my friends. Yeah. I know them personally. I know that, you know, this lady at this place in Ada had something wrong with her daughter yeah. and she couldn't meet last week. And yeah. the first thing when I walked in is I said, how's your daughter doing? Yeah. Um, so yeah. I try and invest in the relationship and, you know, again, some people want to be relational. Some people don't, but I think that you can't just look at them as a mark or a client or how I'm going to get money is, I want to build relationship with that per person and then I can do business with them for sure. And I can build trust to where, when I come back and try and upsell or I tell them, you know, this is a better place to put your money or we opened this new market. Mm -hmm. You know, they know me and trust me and know I'll look out for them. Yeah, that's good. Um, so whenever you were started, let's jump to when you were starting the magazines, did you kind of have any kind of external funding or were you bootstrapping it? I, um, I got a, uh, I had an investor, who helped okay. me start the Oklahoma state magazine. Mm. And, um, he put in just enough money to, for me to make some money. And, yeah. and, uh, like an idiot, I gave him 50% of my company, which yeah. was what well, the money he gave me was probably worth 10%. Oh, wow. <laughs> but I was young, right. Never done it before. And, um, you know, that's, that's one of the things that I think young, I, I watch shark tank and I see those guys going in there and saying, you can have this percentage and you can have this percentage. And I'm thinking, Go get an angel investor, mm -hmm. get somebody. There's yeah. people who want to put money into businesses and you yeah. can get a lot better deal than these guys are. Yeah. Yeah. I see the shark tank and they give them sometimes just awful deals. And yeah. they say, well, the value of going with me is because you're getting me. Well, do you think Mark Cuban has time no. to spend no. on it's, a yeah. vegan <laughs> sports drink, whatever yeah. it is? No. Yeah. It's that's exactly. worth a hundred thousand. And you're young and you think, oh, this money's going to, you're, you're young and you're, you know, one thing I learned is I worked on taking my company um, nationwide, which didn't work, but they have angel investors who will come in for 3% and shepherd you through the process and find you donors who fit in. 
Um, I tried to take my company national and corner the college sports market during the digital boom, which eventually went bust and we about went bankrupt. Um, so I learned a lot along the way. Yeah. One last question about kind of the early period. Then I want to jump to the newer or kind of more recent is, did you have any issues? Cause you weren't an expert in, um, what the magazine was actually doing day to day. Did you have any issues managing those people? And how did you navigate managing people that maybe knew more about the actual publishing industry? Yeah. But you were obviously there. Yeah. I had publishing. editors tell me, you know, I said, we're going to, you know, we did something which is now taken off in a lot of businesses, but everything was going to be sponsored. All of our content was going to have an ad with it. So I had editors tell me, well, we're losing our journalistic integrity. And I just said, look, you know, we can be journalistic. We can take our journalistic integrity to, um, but, or we can pay our mortgage. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, I, there are editors that I've had to let go mm. because they don't know how to make money. Yeah. They don't know how to run a business. Right. They, you know, they told me, well, you can't have a Q and a by Mike Gundy sponsored by a business. You're losing your journalistic integrity. I'm like, okay, um, you can go work somewhere else yeah. and I'll work with an editor who can both <laughs> do Q and A's with Mike Gundy and make money. Um, you know, being in business and not making money, you know, I've, I've, I've had periods where I didn't make a check and my employees did. Yeah. Um, I've had, um, financial struggles. Um, and you know, everything's great, but you got to make money mm. and that's, you know, journalists don't understand that they just want to write stories Yeah, and that's great for them. Yeah. Um, but I've had to let journalists uh, in our business today, we write mostly human interest story. Mm. We're a sports magazine, but I had two editors come to me and say, I came here to write sports. And I'm like, sports doesn't sell. Yeah. Human interest story in small sure. towns. People want to read human interest yep. stories. They don't care about the score. Yep. They don't, if you want to appeal to a broad audience, which our advertisers do. And I had two editors go, well, I don't want to do this. And I said, okay, well, I don't want you to be my editor. Yeah. <laughs> so this is going to work out really well. Yeah. So you got to be able to let people go who don't fit into your financial vision for your company. So as we're starting to kind of move further into where you're at today, okay. um, what were, what were some of the, I don't know, I guess it's kind of tough to word the question, but what were some of the key things that you had to figure out as you were growing from nothing to, uh, to where you're at today? I mean, what, what were some of the, what were some of the business things that you had to learn and that you had to do? You know, the biggest adjustment for us is when we got the opportunity to market on Facebook and Twitter and website, um, which we'd just been a print publication and print is tough because you don't know how many people and you can't click through a print ad. Um, and so the ability to go to people and say, this is what the impressions you're getting on Facebook. This is the impressions you're getting on Twitter. This is the impressions on the website has changed our business. And I didn't, I'm, you know, I'm not a techie guy. So, you know, I'm getting advice from Facebook people and I'm getting advice. I'm having to relearn my business um, and how to promote it in a manner that's appealing to advertisers. So, you know, there's two kinds of people. There's people who think they know everything and they're not successful. And there's people who are learning every day and are reaching out to others who know more than them mm -hmm. and getting mentored by them and saying, Hey, how do I do this? And they're asking questions. Yeah, absolutely. Did that answer your question? 
yeah, I think it does. I mean, That's been we, the we biggest could, adjustment for us. We could probably talk about those types of things for hours and hours, right? That's another podcast. What are, what are some of the big um, – what's one of the big losses you had early on where you're like, man, I'm just – I'm not going to recover from this. This Well, is- when I was at college sports, when I was in the college sports business, banners were selling for $20 a thousand. And we had a rabid audience and a rabid web presence. And um, so we ramped up and invested half a million dollars in personnel and taking all the sites digital and the, and the bubble burst that slowly went to $15 a thousand and $10 a thousand and, um, and $2 a thousand. And we lost all that money we invested, which turned around and just about bankrupt our company. I mean, literally, I talked to a bankruptcy attorney to understand what was going to happen. So I had to scramble and sell some properties and not take a paycheck and and go, you know, we invested in this venture that we thought would work. And, you know, I mean, business people do that all the time. Right. Um, So, you know, you look for opportunities and I don't regret it. You know, you've got to take the the risks you think you can take to grow your business. we didn't foresee the market going from $20 to $2, but that's why they called it the tech, you know, the tech bust is nobody saw it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so that was rough. That was a real struggle. You know, it was a real struggle to go to my wife and say, I'm not taking a paycheck for six months and we may go bankrupt. Yeah. And they may literally at bankruptcy court, they, they document the contents of your wallet. Yeah. So that's a humbling experience, but you know, we sat down and said, okay, what assets can we sell to get out of this? What do we have to do to regroup? What do we got to do to bounce back? And we did. Um, and eventually sold the business in 2006 after the bust of, uh, I think it was 2001, 2002. I don't remember. But we, yeah, we were flat out going into bankruptcy. Wow. Which is very hard to sleep at night. Yeah. So were you, were you asset heavy or were you personnel heavy, like overhead heavy? Well, or? we'd hired all these. We'd invested all of our profits so it and, was, and all of our, so we were selling subscriptions in advance, taking the money, investing it in infrastructure for banners and oh, web wow. pages and people to keep content going yeah. that suddenly had no value. Yeah. So you're, you're trying to fuel this train that was moving down the railroad. Oh, track. sure. So we invested yeah. half a million dollars in that, but probably invested another $250,000 in subscription revenue yeah. thinking, Hey, at 20 bucks a thousand, yeah, let's generate all the traffic yeah. we can. Yeah. And if the numbers stay at that $20 a thousand, sure. then you guys are going to be great. Sure. But then that just drops out. Sure. And, and so, you know, there were internet companies doing, when this started, doing online gift cards getting sold for, you know, $250 million, mom and pop shops. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy and it was going. And then what they figured out was, you know, their first was, whoa, banner advertising, that's going to be crazy valuable. And then so $20 a thousand. I mean, right now the CPM's around two and a half at three. Mm. That's almost gone up from a dollar and a half. Okay. You, you've mentioned uh, numbers per thousand. Sure. I, maybe I missed this earlier, but what, what are you, what are you referring to on that? Okay. So banners, so businesses put banners on websites and they pay up for a thousand rotations or a ta- thousand views from somebody. They pay a, the advertiser pays a price during the boom. It was $20 a thousand. And, you know, Yahoo and everybody else was buying up anybody who had internet traffic. I went to work as a consultant for um, Scout Media 
while I owned this business and I had stock at 75 cents and Fox bought it at $5 and 75 cents. So, you know, yeah. I've had some wins. <laughs> That's a win. I've had, that was a win. That is a win. Um, you know, so all that Bitcoin you have is not doing well right now though. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. That is an issue yeah. except I don't own any Bitcoin. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. But I need to buy some. Well, maybe. Okay. I, I think I think he might be taking a jab at me, but uh, we're going to leave that for another conversation. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I, Sorry, I have, your Bitcoin portfolio. So you and Hyen have that in common. I bankrupt my business, and you own Bitcoin. So. Listen, we don't we don't pay attention to the the value of Bitcoin compared to a dollar. Okay. Okay. One Bitcoin is one Bitcoin. All okay. Right? Don't even look at the value. We're getting off on a yes. on a big tangent here. Yeah, we are. Okay. Um. So what is, what's your, your current position? Where are you at currently? So I'm uh, the director of um, Byte Publishing, Byte Media. We do high school sports publications and websites and school websites for, in Oklahoma and Kansas. Hmm. Okay. And what's your position there? I'm the president of the company. President. El Presidente. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Somebody's got to be in charge. All I do all day is answer questions. My phone rings all day from my employees, yep. and I spend all day trying to help make and things successful. And how many successful. employees do you have? How many direct reports? Um, ten. Ten. So is that that's ten employees with the company, or is that ten direct reports? That's ten direct reports. Okay. So I spend all day, every day, yes. trying to make those ten successful. Yes, while still doing your sales and chasing down leads. Yep, and, and trying to grow the company yeah. and. We launched, um, we'll do 30 school websites, high school website, athletic cool. websites this year. Yeah. Um, we're expanding like crazy. Yeah. It's been, it's been, growth has been yeah. good. I think that's really cool. I was talking with someone at, someone was asking what you do now and I was telling them um, because print, I think we can agree is maybe not dying, but it's declined significantly, sure. significantly from what it was. Sure. But you guys have been able to pivot and kind of step into this new market while still holding true to the the print um but you're you're still holding on to the print but you're kind of stepping into the digital you know we still do the print and there's an audience that just loves the print yes um that frankly we'd like to get rid of the print yeah but the advertisers like seeing that yeah and that and putting that in their business and saying hey we support these kids yeah. but our Vipe sites in Oklahoma had a million unique visitors. Wow. And that's really a, a million unique um, pieces of yeah. phone. So we didn't have, you know, there's 4 million people in Oklahoma. We didn't have a million unique visitors, but a, a million yeah. unique pieces came yeah. and looked in over 20 million page views. Yeah. And now we're launching school websites for athletics. And we almost doubled the traffic at every school's website last year. Yeah. And how does that work? So you're providing that at. So we come into athletic departments. Um, for high schools who they're, you know, most of their athletic websites are terrible. Yeah. And so good. we come in and we write stories on their kids, make schedules super easy for parents to look at, make the site super easy to use. And the traffic numbers have far exceeded our expectations. Um, but it's user-friendly for parents. Parents want a user-friendly athletic department yeah. website. And then when you're writing these stories and geo-targeting that content and driving people from the community there, and they, and again, you don't want to just reach the parents. My advertisers don't just want to reach the parents of the athletes. They want to reach everybody in the community. Yeah. They want to. And so a human interest story about a second baseman, you know, nobody loves their local kids like the local town. 
so we're really sure. we're, we're more like a people magazine in these small communities yeah. we, we write human interest stories on teachers coaches and athletes in a lot of these towns that's really all that matters it is is, is the high school sports and yeah i mean that is the i'll tell you my favorite story is so i got these editors and and i've done the research and figured out what works and what doesn't but our story last year on weatherford football and whether they love their football in weatherford they do had um I think 300 engagements when we posted it on Facebook. And then we did a human interest story on the softball second baseman and it had 550. Wow. Grandma knows that kid. Everybody yeah. in town knows that kid. It gets, yeah. we literally go viral in these small communities because yeah. it gets shared yeah. so much. They're like, Oh, that's yeah. Susie Smith. And she's yeah. a great kid. And I knew her mom yeah. and she's over at first Baptist yeah. church. We write, we don't write about the best athletes. We write about the best kids. Yeah. We literally ask the coaches, tell us your character counts, kid. Mm, that's cool. And that's kind of our formula like is writing about the best kids who might not get the love in town. I like that. Everybody knows the kid who scores 25 points a game yeah. and four touchdowns yeah. a game. And the moms are tired of him. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. But when you write about offensive linemen and guys yep. who get assists, yep. that stuff moves. Yeah. What's uh, Speaking of the character counts, kid, right? Uh, sure. As – as a guy that's started and grown businesses, that's operating successful businesses today, what are some of the character traits that you think best are best suited for uh, a business owner, entrepreneur? And what are some of the character traits that maybe you had that you had to drop off along the way? Well, I think the biggest thing is the character it traits are the people I want to hire because obviously I love what I do and I'm passionate about it. But I want employees who are passionate about our mission of promoting kids. You know, I don't want just somebody who loves to design, to design our magazine. I want them to take some pride in our mission of promoting and telling the stories of great kids in these communities. You know, I, I, I love what we do and um, I want our employees to understand the impact that lifting that kid up in the community. We want younger kids to see that story and think, I want to be like them, and then make the good decisions those kids have made, right? Because mm -hmm. there's high school yeah. kids who haven't made great decisions. Yeah. So character traits that I've had to, you know, you kind of are who you are. I've got flaws. I'm incredibly impatient. No, no you don't. I'm incredibly no. impatient. You know, I'm like, I want it now, um, you know, which is, can be a great thing because, you know, we tend to overachieve because I want it now. Um, you know, I can get on some employees nerves cause I want it now. So, you know, I think you've got to be willing to be honest with yourself and assess yourself and say, these are my strengths. These are my weaknesses. Sure. And, um, how can I limit my weaknesses and accentuate my strengths? Yep. But I think that business leading is a, I don't think, I believe as a Christian that God has put me in front of these people to be a blessing. Yeah, absolutely. Right? God doesn't, really care how many magazines we put out god more cares about how am i blessing the people underneath me so and, i think every and god wants you to have a private jet too roscoe <laughs> well <so>. okay <laughs> i didn't i didn't know that i'll yeah. have to add that to my prayer yeah. list so and a new fishing boat so yeah i okay yeah. god's got a good vision i'm that's glad right. he's talking yeah. to you yeah so i kind of feel like you know that's where we want where i want to be is you know that blessing to my employees yeah that's great um and that's you know i you want to make money. You want For to pay sure. the bills. We want to promote kids. And then For I sure. want my employees to be happy. Yeah, absolutely. So um, kind of going off of that, what makes Roscoe Muori 
um, get up every morning and excited to go tackle the day. What are the, what are the things, what are the big wins you see now? You've been in business for 30 years now. What are the things that really drives you, get you excited about the day? I'm just, I, I love our business strategy. I love what we're doing. Um, and so, you know, I'm passionate about our business. I'm passionate about adding another athletic department. I just went to the athletic directors conference and I tried to tell every school that we're not covering their kids. Look, how can we work together to cover your kids? We want to cover the kids in Guyman, right? We want to cover the kids in Roth. We want to cover the kids at these schools and promote them just like we're promoting these other kids. So yeah. I just have a passionate about high school sports, you know, one of the best things I think I've ever seen is I was in Medford, right? Mm -hmm. You're an Alva guy and I'm watching a football game and there's this defense, it's eight man football and there's this defensive tackle and he's six two, two fifty something and he's dominating the game. Yeah. And then at halftime he comes out with the band, you know, Oh, was, awesome. And he's so got the tuba or does he have a flute? <laughs> yeah, no, he was not playing the flute, but you know, that's the great thing about high school sports, yes. yep. what it does for communities, what, yep. what, how it gives these kids a chance to learn yeah. skills that make them successful citizens. Um, so I'm passionate about that. So I, I get up every morning ready to rock and roll. Yeah. I love it. Very cool. Have you ever been out to hooker? <laughs> you know what? We, we, we cover hooker, the first national bank and hooker sponsors yeah. us and we write stories about hooker athletes. So I haven't been there, yeah. but I'm excited. We, we you know, I get excited when we pick up Visai. You yeah. know, the nursing home in Visai sponsors yeah. Visai stories, and I'm glad we got to cover those kids. Yeah. So I'm just nerdy enough that I'm as excited about picking up a broken arrow as I am. I'm more excited. I'm as excited to pick up Hooker as I am Broken Arrow. Yeah. Sounds like, um, you know, sounds like you're still chasing and you live for each sale. Like, obviously, you have a vision. You have, you know, your the things that kind of, the driving force of the business and what you want to preach to your people and your clients, but still seems like you're very driven by the actual sell and the chasing of those sales. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be, you know, I struggle in my life being like, is my focus Christ focused or business focused? Absolutely. Um, but I am, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I thought about that the other day. I'm like, when are we going to be tapped out? When are we yeah. going to be full? And yeah. I thought there's kids in Seminole. I want us to cover. Yeah. You know, there's 480 something schools in this state for sure. And, um, you know, if we, we've got a formula that makes money, yeah. but to me, it's more about promoting the kids. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have the same mindset. Whenever I see another building being built, I'm like, we didn't get the first writer. If he's on that building, there's something wrong. We, we should have been, we should have been on yeah. that building. I hate it. I, yeah. I do not like seeing other buildings being built, <laughs> but that's just, there's buildings being built everywhere, yeah. but, but we're not a part of it. And my question is why not? But do you have any big competitors in the in the country? Or no, not, country, not really. New, newspapers, you know, in small towns are struggling. But yeah. but our content's all free. Yeah. And for them to survive, they have to live off a subscription model. Yeah. So we're not really taking people away from the newspaper. And the newspaper writes game stories and hard sports coverage. Yeah. And they cover the local. You know, really the sports sections have become less important at local newspapers than, you know, what's going on at the school board for sure. Right. What's going on at the city council. Yeah. And so we're not taking subscribers away from we're, we're free content, yeah. human interest stories. Yeah. So just like, um, Tulsa people's not taking anybody from the Tulsa world. No. Yeah. Yeah. 
that that's kind of unique that you really don't have any um, competitors other than the, you know, the website portion, obviously you do have competitors of other people trying to build the websites for the schools, which sure. that sounds yeah. like that's a really solid source of income. No, there's other, that. you know, people in Oklahoma know our company's passion to take care of them and their kids. And so they want to do business with us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The great thing about you guys is it's very easy to find your potential client, right? Right. It's super easy. Well, it's uh, not easy to sell ads. No, it's not easy to selling sell ads, ads but, but yeah, the first part of sales is who am I selling to? Right. You can find that. Like, yeah. That's, that's a very easy thing to do. It is. The barrier to get inside is obviously yeah. much more difficult. How to build the relationship. All sales are yeah. relational. How do I start to build the relationship with someone to where they want to do business with yeah. me? Is, and, is, univer is the universal struggle in sales. Yeah. And so it's, it's kind of funny because ours is very opposite. You're needing more high volume of smaller dollar amounts and we're needing a smaller volume amount of sales, but they're much higher, sure. higher revenue. And so for us, it's really hard for us to find our clients. Like it is very difficult, but we found high success rate once we do get in front of our clients. So that's kind of the way we're moving is how do we get in front of more clients? Because we're, we're closing a lot of deals we get in front of, but that's been our biggest issue is yeah. getting in front of the clients. Yeah. So that's an interesting kind of different dynamic there. Um, anything else, Nick? I don't know that I've got anything uh, too much to add. Um, you know, what, what, uh, so in, in your current position, you know, how, how can, how can the listeners support you? Um, what, what, where, do, where can people find you? Um, what does that look like for you guys? I mean, is that vipeok.com? There you go, vipeok.com. And if you want to uh, buy an ad for the the Hooker magazine, you can uh, call Roscoe and he'll, he'll you, get you set up. You absolutely Ho can. Hooker, Oklahoma, that is. Yeah, Hooker, Oklahoma. That's that's not a. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> for those that are who's not, googling Hooker right yeah, now, there's yeah. also a Beaver, the Beaver, Oklahoma dusters. And what's what's the Hooker mascot? Do you remember? I can't remember. It's it's something pretty. Uh, it's unique. It is. Gosh, I wish I remembered it. But when you drive through town in Hooker, you can. There's a little store, and you can get T-shirts with the name Hooker on it because people want T-shirts with the name Hooker on it. Or like, <laughs> like I visited Hooker, or something. like. But even like it's the Hooker Inn and like stuff like that. Yeah. Like, like they play on the name. They hey, they know what they're doing. Uh, they're opportunistic. Absolutely. I like it. It's great marketing. Outstanding right there. marketing, Roscoe. Yeah. Thanks for the tip. Hey, Roscoe. Thank you so much for being here. And um, you know, you've been a huge asset to me. And um, man, I'm just I'm super thankful you're here, and I'm glad we got to pick up on some of your knowledge and expertise. And um, yeah, we're just we're excited for what you're doing and what your company is doing. Well, sometimes people get on these and make it sound like it's been easy. And you gotta, you gotta grind, you gotta work, gotta be passionate about your, what you're doing and you can't let failure discourage you. If you have a dream and you believe in what you're doing, when the, you know, when the adversity comes, fight through it and keep believing in yourself. That's right. I think that's kind of the key. That's right. Thank you so much guys. Thank you for listening. This is Potter podcast, Tyler Dietring and Nick Burns. We will see you next time.